blood flowing again. Amen. Turn with me to Jude chapter 1 verse 3. I want to preach to you today about being a contender of the faith. Amen. Jude chapter 1 verse 3. It says this, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Say, contend for the faith. Which was once delivered unto the saints. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray that your glory would fall today and your word would go forth and an anointing would be on it. Lord, I pray that you would just let a word settle in somebody's heart today. Something that they've been seeking for and searching for, Lord. Having a hunger after what your word says, Lord. I pray that you would just reach down from heaven and just, just plant that seed today in their heart, Lord. I pray that your word would go forth and not return void, Lord. But that it would be a powerful word today in somebody's life. We thank you, Jesus. Give us revelation today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you clap your hands one more time? Oh, hallelujah. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, it reads like this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. This is Paul talking. He says, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. I came not today with excellency of speech or wisdom. See, here was an educated man, an intelligent man, a, a scholar of his day. This was, this was Paul, and he sat at the feet of, of uh, scholars, and he was learned in the Word of God. Now, Paul was trained in the different schools of thought, and he knew the power of persuasive speech. Who was Paul? He was the one that was persecuting Christians. He was the one that was getting them to write letters and, and, and uh, he had followers and he was influential in people's lives, not necessarily in a good way, but he knew how to manipulate situations, in my opinion. Amen? But he was trained under the greatest teacher. He was trained at the feet of one of the greatest teachers of his day. But this same Paul, he said, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. <coughs> In other words, Paul is saying, I emptied myself. I laid aside all the natural wisdom and human reasoning and I confined and restrained myself to only one thing and that one thing is Jesus Christ in Him crucified. I'm forgetting everything else that I've learned. Only thing I want to bring to you today is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. That's Jesus Christ and all He provided through His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That is the gospel that, was, uh, that goes forth. Amen. 
Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in what? In the power of God. I don't want to stand up here and pretend like I'm some great man of God because Lord knows I'm not. But if I can't show you the power of God through demonstration of a life that is crucified to Jesus Christ, then what am I doing up here? What motivation do you have to follow after the example that I lead? Amen. I need to be crucified with Christ. Amen. Paul was saying, I'm not trying to impress you with my intelligence or my eloquence, and I'm not just trying to win you over to another school of thought. I'm not just bringing to you a new idea. I don't want you to think that. What Paul was saying was, I have come to bring you into contact with the power of God. He was there to minister to them through the power of God. Amen. See, Paul had the ability to speak to the minds and the reasoning faculties of men and, and sway them and manipulate them through human wisdom. He had that ability. He could sit there and manipulate people and get them to think certain things, but he didn't do that. He determined he would do anything necessary to guarantee that those he spoke to understood that it was more than just changing your viewpoint or changing your perception. It was more than that. There was a great power that came down from heaven that would alter the lives of these people. And that's what he wanted to bring to them. See, a lot of preaching today is, is focused only on changing the way people see. There's churches out there that preach. To the, the, they change the way they see themselves. They, they, how they think differently and how to mentally ascend to a better life and how to be better people, and they just preach how to live good and how to live right and, and, and be good people. But the gospel is not about just changing the way you think. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Amen? It is the power of God to transform your life. The power of God to heal the power of God to deliver those that are afflicted. The power of God to work miracles. Amen. See, the truth is, as kingdom-minded believers, we should not tolerate, we should not accept a gospel that does not produce miracles. It does not produce healing. If there is doctrine out there that does not produce deliverance and transform lives, what are we doing following it? There is one gospel that went forth that has the power of God to transform lives. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Luke 17, 20 and 21 says, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither they shall say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom. Romans 14, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, 
but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. There is power in the Spirit of God. Power in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. In the Spirit. In the power. Amen. This is what Jesus meant. He said so in John 7. He said, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly, Brother Aaron, we're, out of his bellies, right? Amen. I missed that song, sorry. <laughs> out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, it goes on, it says, But thus spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. You see, wherever the kingdom of God is present, there will be manifestations of the power of God. Amen? Are we a part of the kingdom or not? Amen. I want to see miracles take place. I want to see healings be done in the power of His name. One of the saddest things, maybe it's just in Iowa, but I'm afraid to say it's probably everywhere. One of the saddest things that I've seen happen in our churches is songs that encourage and stimulate our minds to be all that we can be, but not take us into the presence of God. I'm not, that don't happen here. I, I stood on that front row and it just threw me right back into being a part of this church and the movement of the Lord that takes place through our worship. See, it's more than just a song. It's worship to God. Amen. If we can't, if we can't get behind that and worship and usher in the presence of God in our service, then what are we doing? We're just keeping our seats warm. See, these churches, they, they preach uh, sermons that provoke our minds, but it never penetrates our hearts. 2 Chronicles 12, verse 9, it says, So, so Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house, he took all. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. I'm talking about worship. Instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard that kept the entrance of the king's house. See, Solomon had made shields of gold and had them hanging in the Lord's house. There was treasures in the Lord's house. There was value in the Lord's house and when uh, Shishak the king of Egypt came in after Rehoboam Solomon's son became king and uh, Shishak took away the treasures of the Lord's house as well as the shields of gold he took all the treasure and he took the shields of gold that were hanging but instead of Rehoboam being grieved over the loss, and instead of going to war to recover the golden shields and the treasures of the Lord's house, he simply made shields of brass and hung them where the golden shields had been. Just substituted. In other words, he substituted the fake and the inferior for the genuine. And they, they resembled the golden shields. When you walked in, they had a, a little shine to them. They had a little ambiance, if you will, and, and uh, they sparkled from a distance. They even looked real, but they weren't. The treasures of the Lord's house were gone. They didn't go get them back. 
They just replaced them with something fake. See, in many churches today are substituting messages that, that sparkle and shine and stir the intellect and stir the emotions and they sound good, but they're not producing power. They glitter, but they do not deliver. They shine, but they're dead. There is no life in them. I want the Word to go forth and minister to my heart. Let the power of God rise up inside of me and let the evidence of His power be seen around me. <coughs> See, that doesn't happen here. I pray it doesn't happen here. I pray often for this church. There's many of you that I haven't met before. There's about 85% of you that I know well. <laughs> Amen. But Brother Gene is the best pastor I know. I sat under Brother Gene for three and a half, four years, and I still sit under him. I still sit under him. Don't I, Pastor? When I got a problem, who do I call? I don't want a bunch of ungodly opinions of what I should do. I call a man that I know gets on his knees and seeks after the will of God for people's lives. And, and I, I want to talk to somebody that's got a connection that is constant, right? I've got U.S. Cellular cell service, and man, I have no connection down here at all. I don't want to go to somebody that doesn't have a connection with God. Amen. So you better count your blessings that he is your pastor. I know I do. You're in the right place. Other churches are settling for something that sparkles and stimulates the emotions and our, our brains, but is powerless to cast out a devil or to deliver the drug addict or heal the sick or heal a wounded heart and set the captives free. So I want to preach with anointing and power so you can be empowered to do God's purpose in your life. If I am not anointed, if I can't seek after God for myself and get into His Word and have a revelation and an understanding to deliver a word to you, then what good is it? What good is it? Jesus said, John 6, 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. That means that the words of Jesus are alive. They are powerful they produce life, and they change hearts, amen? Amen, they change lives, and they deliver the oppressed. They set the captives free. They heal the sick, the words in his book. They produce miracles. I never want to be in a dead church. I made up my mind a long time ago. If I, if I got to be the only one sitting on the front row, and I'm jumping around, and Looking like an idiot. I don't care. I want the Lord to know I'm there. Amen? I want the Lord to know I'm there. And I'm there for Him. Amen. Mark 16 says, And Jesus said this, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth that is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. 
in my name. That's the name of Jesus, church. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover in that name, the name of Jesus. Verse 20 says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word. How? With signs following. They did it. They did it. They believed the word. They were baptized, it says. They were saints of God. They went and they, there were signs that followed after them. That's what I want in my walk with God. God, I want more of you and less of me. I want to be so, so full of your spirit that, that my shadow would cast a healing on somebody. Jesus said in Matthew 10, And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. How many believe that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Amen. He, he went on, he says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. It's not something that's just for you. It's for everyone. Freely give. I know we usually point our fingers at the pulpit and, and, and blame, well, I'd never been taught that. He never, he, he's supposed to tell me what to do and he's supposed to tell me, you know, the direction I'm supposed to go and he didn't tell me this time. We feel like we're falling short sometimes because a preacher didn't come and knock on your door and say, hey, you, you need to go to that guy at work and witness to him. Come on. Seriously? But the truth is, most of us, are satisfied with a little sparkle and shine hanging up in the temple of bronze, uh, bronze shields, right? They're, uh, they're satisfied with that, a little tug on the emotions, a little stirring of our minds. Come and preach to me, pastor, so I can go and eat somewhere. Oh, he's a good preacher. Well, what are you doing for the kingdom? Oh, well, I go to church every Sunday. Come on. The greatest battle as believers, as children of God, our greatest battle is not against the filth and corruption of this world and its temptations. The greatest battle we face is, is the difference between good and best. Being satisfied with where you're at and achieving what God has for you in His kingdom. Amen? It's the fight to either move into the greatness of the purpose, the power that God calls you into, or to simply settle down into a comfortable salvation. Come on, just satisfied with fire insurance. Right? Just doing enough. Just in the kingdom, but just barely. Right? In the river, but just up to your ankles. Maybe even speaking in tongues every now and then. Oh, they're holy. What are you doing for the kingdom? This is where the real battle is because every child of God has been called to a life of purpose and power. You know, and I didn't realize that. I moved down here in 2011 in a tiny two-bedroom house. I took my dad by there last night and showed him, yeah, this is where we started. Woo, it was cramped. 
But we did it for like five months until we found a, a different place that better suited us. But um, I moved down here. I was mentored for years I, uh, from a, a great man of God, my father-in-law. But it got to the point where he, his whole ministry was around the addicted and, and those lifestyles. And so I was a part of that. But that wasn't my ministry. That wasn't where God was, uh, wanted me in his kingdom. It's important to do that. But he had something special, something different for me. And so, so we, we, I put out 60 job applications in three different cities. I'll have to admit, two of them were kind of selfish picks for me. It was Jefferson City, Missouri, and we knew the pastor down there. We did some children's revivals for him. And the other one was Elizabethtown, Kentucky. My wife liked Kentucky. I don't know. There was no, no process there, but... I picked Salem because I knew that there was a man of God there that I needed to sit under. And I didn't know why. I had no idea why. But I knew that it was our time to find a place. And, and we had our pastor's complete backing. In fact, it was his suggestion. We were working together. We were that close. Okay? And so, long story short, every one of those job applications came back as Zero. No, no position available. You're overqualified. You're underqualified. We don't have any place for you. You're too far away. Whatever the reason was. And all of a sudden, I, I started looking at lumber yards. And I had submitted a resume to Salem Building Materials. That was the only one that I got back that said, we want to meet with you. Can you come down for an interview? And when I pray, I pray specific. I don't pray, God, lead me today. Wherever you want, Lord, I'm, I don't care, you know. No, I want to know. I want a clear direction. Lord, I don't want these job interviews to just come piling in. I want one. I want one, Lord, because I want your direction in my life. I don't want to be confused. Okay, so I prayed that. I came to town for my interview, and the first thing I did, the first thing I did, was Sister Becky Donnelly was coming in the door for the Sunday school rooms. I said, um, I'm, I'm new here. I'm here for a job interview. I might be moving down here. I would like to go and pray at the altar. Do you mind? No, that's fine. You know how Becky is. She's awesome. And so she, uh, she said, come on in, brother. And so I came in. I went to the altar. I said, Lord, if I'm going to be down here, I'm going to need such amount of money. And I gave him a specific amount. And so I went I got up, I prayed for a while, I got up, I went to my interview, and she wrote something down on a piece of paper right when I got in there, and we sat down, we talked church for over an hour, okay, why I was down here. I wanted her to know that God was first in my life, that I came down here for the church to grow under a great man of God, and that, that you know, my job would always be secondary, but I would do a good job for you. I would be committed to you, but church is why I'm here. I wanted her to understand that. And so I went to that interview, and, and for an hour and a half I was there, and she said, well, uh, she looked at the general manager, and she said, I think we're prepared to offer you something, and she gave me that piece of paper. It was exactly what I prayed for. How much clearer can it get? The doors were wide open. I didn't kick nothing open. I want to know it's God's purpose for my life because I want to be a part of the kingdom. And I want to put him first in my life, amen? So, so the battle between being good and being our best in the kingdom is our greatest temptation. It's greater than anything else that we, 
that we battle against. And so I came down here, and Brother Gene was so uh, such a good pastor. He he had aspirations for us, you know, for what we we could be doing in the church and different things. I mean, I was on the youth board in Iowa at the time, youth secretary, and there was different things that I've done, but but that's not what God wanted. And I sat myself, I placed myself under the authority of a man and a woman of God that had my, my place in the kingdom at heart. And so they did what was necessary to help us grow. I'm a doer. I wanted to play the drums. I wanted to play the congas. I wanted to sing. I wanted to start doing stuff. Oh, give me a book to read. You know, something. I want to keep doing this. He said, no, you need to sit on a pew and you need to develop. Okay? That's hard to take. I'm serious. But you know what? I'm telling you, as hard as it is to take some of that stuff, it takes a mindset that if you want God in your life, if you want to place Him first in your life and develop in the kingdom and know what He wants for you, you listen to the man of God. You place yourself under some authority. And no matter what comes out of his mouth, that blood's on his hands, but I want to follow everything he tells me to do. Amen. And so, unbeknownst to me, three years later, the Lord says, you're going to pastor a church. I said, awesome, God, I love Illinois. Someplace close, I hope. I love my job. He gave me my job. It was a great job, best job I ever had. I still talk about it. And, and then I get a call a month later, my father-in-law. And I was like joyful and like, seriously, God, all at the same time, you know. He says, he says we want you to, we're going to resign our church in Centerville, Illinois, and uh, we wanted to talk to you guys first about it. And, you know, sometimes when you are right with God, when you place yourself under the authority of, of God and godly men, He'll check your spirit and say, this is what I've been preparing you for. There, without it beyond a shadow of a doubt, I knew that that was God's direction for my life and that I had been developing into the man that was right for the church in Centerville, Iowa. Amen. So the difference between being good and, and great or good and perfect in the, the kingdom of God is our biggest uh, battle that we go for. Um, we're called not simply to be saved, but to manifest to the world the reality of the kingdom of God. It's a real thing. The kingdom of God. It's not something that you read in the book. It's something that needs to be demonstrated through lives of godly people. The kingdom of God. But so many of us are content merely to speak in tongues on occasion. Jude says, I exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Contend for the faith. He's speaking of the faith that produced power. Not something that says, oh, just believe on Jesus and everything else will be okay. He's talking about the faith that produced something. It produced miracles and signs and wonders and healings, casting out devils, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead. The faith that produced power. See, the faith Jude was speaking of is a living faith. 
A faith that manifests itself in the activity and the works of faith. John 14, 12, Jesus said, The works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do because I go to my Father. Greater works than Jesus Christ. What did He do? I can only think of a few. There is many, but I know the ones that I know. Or He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He ministered the Word. He preached unto everyone. He came to call sinners to repentance. We're supposed to manifest the kingdom of God to this world. John 16, 23, Jesus said, Whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. 1 John 4, 17 said, As he is, so are we in this world. We must contend for the faith, church. We must be the ones that are actively pursuing the power of God in our lives, in our workplace. It takes willpower. It takes some some putting on some boxing gloves sometimes and going against Satan and saying, hey, that's not good in my life. I'm not going to do that anymore because I want Jesus to be overflowing in my life. Amen. Sister Sherry. Do we have a lot of attenders in our churches today, but not many contenders? Want to preach this? Oh, that's good. Amen. To fight adversaries, amen, to struggle with difficulties and dangers. This is what contend means. To endeavor with strenuous zeal, okay, or to strive, to obtain something. We're striving to have God in our hearts so much that it's just overflowing. Living waters coming forth. Matthew eleven twelve it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Romans 8, 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the Creator waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Earnest expectation. That means the whole human race is waiting and desiring to see us walking in our sonship and spiritual authority, revealing and manifesting the presence and the power of God. Everybody is waiting on you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to contend for the faith? Of the saints? Are you going to rise up today into that place that God has for you and, and develop into the man or woman of God that is able to step out in boldness? Say, okay, God, whatever you want, that's what I'll do. You want me to talk to them? Man, that's uncomfortable, God. I've never done that before. You want me to teach them a Bible study? i got to go to their house? I, I hate going to other people's houses. Seriously, God? But you do it for God because He told you to. They're waiting on you. How many souls are lost? Because we don't step into that role that God has for us. I don't want those souls on my hands. Would you stand with me today?
See, I believe the question the Holy Ghost has put before us today is this. Are there any contenders in the house? Any contenders in the house? Where are the passionate? Where are the bold, the hungry, the thirsty, the ones who want more than just a ticket to heaven? But you want your full inheritance. Lord, I want the power that you said I could have. I want that, Lord. You want the power of God in your life. Where are you today? You want to cast out devils in Jesus' name? You want to lay hands on the sick and minister the healing power of God? You want to operate and manifest the gifts of the Spirit? You want signs and wonders and miracles flowing through your life? Where are the contenders today? Not the attenders. There's some of them here too. But where's the contender? Where's the ones that are willing to fight for what God has for you in your life? Jesus said, They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Filled! I want to be full of righteousness. Are there any hungry people hearing me today? Are there any thirsty people hearing me today? There's a lost and dying world waiting for us to assume our rightful place in Christ and manifest the kingdom of God to them. Oh, would you close your eyes today? Would you pray with me today?